Good evening, everyone. Good evening. <laughs> I do. I got some smiles. That's nice. Let's pray. Father God, tonight as we look at the second book of Thessalonians, the second letter of Thessalonians that Paul wrote, we pray that your Holy Spirit will just speak to each of us here, speak to me, Lord, speak to everyone's hearts, and I pray that we will all learn, Father God, what it is you want us to learn from this book. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so I have the, the privilege of speaking and uh, talking about, you know, as we're going to, from our Philippians to Philemon, um, the second book or the second letter of Thessalonians. Now, we're going to do a quick recap. So last week, Chris gave us a fantastic overview of 1 Thessalonians. We all knew about the, the weird names that everybody had and, and where everybody was on the map and that sort of thing. Um, it was, you know, he, he told us about the teaching and the encouragement that comes from that book. Uh, we established that it was written by Paul um, with the help of two of his close friends, Timothy and Silas, or Timothy, Timotheus and Silvanus, <laughs> however you want to say it. Um, and they were his, Paul's close friends and his fellow workers for the gospel. So Paul and Silas had actually established this church in Thessalonica, or Thessaloniki, as it is called today. And um, they'd established it not long before Paul wrote those letters. And we knew that from last week when he said, it's not long since I've been there. <laughs> so we assume that that was, means it wasn't long. Um, Paul wrote it because he was anxious about the condition of the church. And, that, and although he was thankful for their faithfulness, he was also aware that they'd been under a lot of persecution. And he um, reflected on his recent visit and he wanted to give them some hope concerning those who had already died. So what was the purpose of this second book? Why did he write a follow-up letter so soon after writing the first one. <clears throat> well, there's three main reasons. I haven't got them up there. We're going to look at the, the actual text. I mean, you can keep that up if you, if you want. But there's three main reasons. The first reason in the first chapter was to encourage them during their continued persecution. The second reason was to give a few more details about the coming of Christ. There was a bit of confusion there about the second coming of Christ, so he wanted to clarify a few things to them and talk to them about those sorts of things. And he also wanted to give them a little bit of housekeeping regarding their behaviour during this time. We don't necessarily always like that sort of thing, do we? We don't like being told we're not doing the right thing. Well, I definitely do not like being told I'm doing the, <laughs> doing the wrong thing. Because I know I always do the right thing. No, not always. Chris will, Chris will tell you I'm always right, won't you? <laughs> so the key verse um, in, that I feel is the key verse in this whole book, which is three very short chapters, is the, one of the last verses, which is in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16, where it says... Now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times in every situation. I'll read that again. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times in every situation. And the two key words in this um, letter 
I think, a faith and love that come through this. So this is like a, this is a teaching lesson. We're having a look at the second book of Thessalonians. <clears throat> so the book addresses persecution, Jesus' return, and our need to remain faithful, reminding us that, I really like this quote, that's why I put it in. It's not my quote, I'm quoting someone else. Reminding us that we, what we long for shapes what we live for. Okay, it's probably a good one to write down. So what we long for, what you long for shapes what you live for. So what I'm going to do tonight is basically we're going to read through those three chapters and I'm just going, I'm not going to talk about every single verse. We'll read through, but I will stop at various times and things that I think are pertinent to where we are as a church at the moment. I'll um, talk about those and expand on them a little bit. Um, The first chapter I've done in the NIV and the second, chapter two and chapter three I've done in the NLT just because I think that I liked the way you know, that it, it, it spoke and that sort of thing. And I think that if you're reading your Bible, which we encourage all of us to do in this church, that sometimes it's good if you read something and you think, mm, I don't really understand that. Most people here have the, the Bible app. If you don't, then we can help you with that if you've got that, um, a phone that can have apps. Um, go and look at another version and see what it says and that might just explain it to you in a different way or it might be a bit more how you think and how you understand. So don't be afraid to look at different versions of the Bible. So the first chapter is in the NIV. So it starts out, like Paul always starts out, like with who it is, Paul, Silas and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he does this greeting to everybody. And he also starts out most of his letters with a prayer for the people that he is sending it to. And this is one of the first churches. And we, if you went on Thursday night, you'll know that we're an Acts 2 Alliance church, an A2A church, which means we are trying to model ourselves on the way the churches in the book of Acts were, you know, were done. And we're trying to model ourselves in the way that the the original church in Acts chapter 2 started. So this was a letter to one of those, it wasn't obviously in Acts, but it was to one of those churches. His Thanksgiving prayer in verse, starts in verse 3. It says, We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more and the love of, um, love all you, of you have for one another is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith and in all the persecutions and trials you're enduring. Imagine if we were one of those early churches, we're trying to model ourselves like that, and someone had come to visit us and then they were writing a letter of encouragement to us, a letter to sort of just, you know, like say maybe the guys in A2A came to visit, you know, the guys from Tasmania, and they, um, they said, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters. And rightly so, because your faith is growing. Imagine that. It'd be great to have someone write a letter saying, I thank God for you. I love that your faith is growing. I love that, um, you know, you love one another and that your love for one another is increasing. And you know what? I think that our love for one another is increasing and our faith is increasing in this church. And I really think that that would be something that would be written. And I, you know, and I, I love to see 
the, the encouragement and the love that we all have for one another. <clears throat> Even though a lot of us are going through trials and persecutions. Verse 5, all this is evidence that God's judgment is right. And as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. So obviously they were being persecuted too. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. That sounds like a superhero, doesn't it? Now, you know, I'm going to take a bit of liberty here. I've just been to the Sunshine Coast to my grandson's fifth birthday party and he wanted a superhero disco. So he was disco man. He was a super. He was a superhero. Um, one of the guys, the, play, the guys, the fellow whose place we went to, um, um, Geordie, he is a lovely Christian man. Guess who he came dressed as? He came dressed as Jesus because he came dressed as the ultimate superhero. You know, Jesus is the ultimate superhero. But, you know, you think about that. It says, Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. You just imagine this sort of da-da-da coming down. Now, I'm also going to just go off track here and tell you all a bit of a funny story. I went as the Black Widow because it's easy for me. I have, like, leggings that I run in and I have a black skivvy. That was easy. That's the outfit. Just had to buy a red wig and wear red lipstick, which I never wear. Anyway, I went down and asked Elvis his approval for my outfit. I had, didn't have any makeup on or anything yet. <clears throat> I said, how's, how's this look? And he's like, mm, pretty good. But her face doesn't look like that. I'm like, yeah, I know, but I'm, I'm going to put some makeup on and some... He goes, no, but her face is smooth. <laughs> I'm right. There is nothing like the humility that uh, a young child brings. I said, well, I'm, I'm the black widow when she's a grandma, okay? <laughs> you know, so. But anyway, this was a superhero party. And, and it just when I, was, when I re read that <coughs> verse there, I always think about Jesus returning as a superhero. It says, he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. You know... That's what Chris was saying, you know, we can't just take things as we think. We've got to take it as, it as it says. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. On the day that he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marvelled at among those who have believed. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. There's a lot of people who might think, Oh, you know, it's all right. Everyone, in the end, God's, God's love. God is love. That means he loves everyone. He does love everyone. But he's also just, you know, and he will bring justice. And sometimes they're the hard things that we have to listen to, that those who don't believe and don't follow him will suffer eternal separation from God. And something I say to people who often question that sort of thing, I said, you know what? In the end, nobody will be able to say that's not fair. Because in the end, it is fair. It will always be fair. God is just. He is totally, 100% just. His judgment is just. So we're in our small human brains right now, we might think, that's not fair. They were a nice person. How can they not, you know? But we won't question that, and neither will they. 
in the end, those who don't end up with Jesus won't, won't question, they'll understand that it is totally just. <clears throat> so, we got up to verse 11. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the, the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, that's a great prayer too. I mean, that whole first chapter is Paul encouraging and praying for the people of Thessalonica and and that sort of thing. But you know what? And and, and he's he's praying for each of them. And what his prayer is is. Um, that by his power he may bring to, bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. We pray for you guys. I know for a fact that Simon prays for every single one of you and I know that he would pray for your faith to grow, for your faith in Jesus to increase. He's not just going to pray a little, oh, I pray that they'll have a good day today prayer. He's praying for your faith to increase. And this is what Paul prays for the people of Thessalonica, that their faith would increase. <clears throat> in chapter 2, this is where he comes a little bit more into talking about where... So first of all, he's encouraged them in their time of persecution and telling them to keep strong and that he's praying for them. Chapter 2, he says that he starts talking a little bit more about the events prior to Jesus coming back. The fact that they're all sort of getting caught up in thinking that he was, he was coming back now. It says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered to, to meet him. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them, even if they claim to have a spiritual vision, a revelation or a letter, supposedly from us. Now, I was a teenager in the 70s, okay, Probably not many people here can say that they were a teenager in the 70s. But in the 70s, in the church, it was really big. The second coming sort of and end times were taught a lot. And the rapture and those who got left behind and all that sort of stuff. I can so distinctly remember coming home, actually probably more than once, and like nobody being home. Mum's not there and I'm searching every room in the house and I'm like... <gasps> I've been left behind. <laughs> I was sure that they'd all been raptured and I hadn't been good enough and I'd been left behind. You know, I've been, I, I have learned since then that it's not about how good I am, but it's about how good God is. It's about how good Jesus was to die for me. And it's not that sort of thing, that I've trusted him and he is my saviour and I am not going to be left behind, whatever that looks like. Um, again, we don't want to get into a discussion about end times because, <laughs> like these people, it can be very confusing. So he says, don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call good and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God, claiming that he himself is God. Don't you remember that I told you about all this when I was with you? And you know what is holding him back? 
for he can be revealed only when his time comes. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly, I think not so secretly (laughs) sometimes today, and it will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way, but that's God. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendour of his coming. Here's another superhero moment. You know, Jesus is he's just going to destroy him with the breath of his mouth. Gone. I mean, that's pretty powerful, you know. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe these lies. Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. Now, I was going to put a question out to you all that now. That's talking about the deception that Satan gives so that people don't hold on to the truth of Jesus or they don't see or hear the truth of Jesus. Can anybody just off the top of their head think of, you know, I mean, it happens so much today, even in, in churches. Can anybody think of a way that the devil's lying to people today? If you don't have any answers, that's okay. Pride. Pride, yeah. Yep, he's lying and making us think that they're the things that are good. Complacency, Complacency, yes. Yes, just, it should be right, mate, you know, should be right. Sorry, what was that? Greed, oh, absolutely, absolutely. That that the that you, the um, the striving for all that sort of thing is what we should be doing. Sorry, Josh. Gluttony, yes, all of that, and that <coughs> comes in all sorts of forms. But there's all of those things. But he's such a liar. He makes you think, you know. Oh, you know, like I said before, God is is love. So you know, love is love, and this is that. You know, they're just all those things that he brings in. My dad used to call it the thin end of the wedge. You know, that little wedge of doubt or that little wedge of that, oh, what God says is, what the, they don't even say what God, what the Bible says, that's not really true, is it, you know? So there's just doubts and fears that come into your mind about all sorts of things. <clears throat> so he says, in verse 13, believers should stand firm. As for us, We can't help but thank God for you. Here's his prayers for them again and his thankfulness for them. Dear brothers and sisters loved by the Lord, we are always thankful that God chose you to be among the first to experience salvation. They were one of the first churches. A salvation that came through the Spirit who makes you holy and through your belief in the truth. He called you to salvation when we told you the good news. Now you can share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. With all these things in mind, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm and keep a strong grip on the teaching we passed on to you both in person and by letter. So this it. Take a strong grip, guys, of the teaching that you get here. You're getting some good teaching, you know, every week and the things that you're encouraged with. Read the Bible for yourselves. Get you some teaching from the Bible and take a strong grip on that. Hold on to that. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal comfort and a wonderful hope comfort you and strengthen you in every good thing 
you do and say. Comfort you and strengthen you in every good thing you do and say. He's always encouraging them to do the good things that God, you know, it says, there's the verse, I'm going, it's going to be a paraphrase because I can't think of it where it, that it says, um, you know, not by, you're saved by grace, not by works, so that no man can boast. So you're not saved by the good things you do. However, you have good things to do that God has planned for you to do. Once you are saved, he has good things that he wants you to do. All right. We're coming in sort of for a landing. It's, it seems like he's finished there because <coughs> he's, sort of, he's praying, now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It's like a, a finishing prayer, but then it's like he has an afterthought. He goes, oh, hang on a minute, I've just got to remind them of these things that I've heard about them as well. So he's requesting prayer. First of all, he says, I've prayed for them. Now I'm going to request prayer. He says, finally, dear brothers and sisters, we ask you to pray for us. Pray that the Lord's message will spread rapidly and be honoured wherever it goes, just as when it came to you. Pray, too, that we will be rescued from wicked and evil people. Uh, for not everyone is a believer, but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. And we are confident in the Lord that you will, <coughs> are doing and will continue to do the things that we commanded you. So this is a command, you know. May the Lord lead your hearts into full understanding and expression of the love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Christ. He's prayed three or four times in this one letter for them to increase in their love for Jesus and their working for him. The final thing, an exhortation to proper living. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we give you this command in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stay away from all believers who live idle lives and don't follow the tradition they receive from us. That sounds pretty strong, doesn't it? What was happening was they all were thinking that Jesus is coming back soon. This is where that confusion came in. So a lot of them thought, well, what's the point? We're just going to give up our day job and we're just going to wait for Jesus to come back and take us to heaven because we believe in him. So that's it. So they stopped living the, their fruitful lives <clears throat> for you know that you ought to imitate us we were not idle when we were with you we never accepted food from anyone without paying for it we worked hard day and night so we would not be a burden to any of you we certainly had the right to ask you to feed us but we wanted to give you an example to follow even while we were with you we gave you this command those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Now, that's pretty strong, isn't it? It's like, you know. Obviously, there are people who are in need because the Bible speaks a lot about us helping those who are in need, who genuinely are in need and that sort of thing. But when there's people who are just sitting around doing nothing, they actually don't deserve to eat according to God's word. You know, I mean, that's, that's a pretty strong command and that's a hard thing to say. Um, from here, you know, it's hard to sort of, sometimes we've got to take those hard things. There's a difference between not having a job and not working. You know what I mean? That just, there's, there is a difference. And today's times are different and the jobs are not, you know, as readily available for everybody as they, you know, perhaps once were. Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and meddling in other people's business. We command such people 
and urged them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and work and to earn their own living. As for the rest of you, dear brothers and sisters, never get tired of doing good. Never get tired of doing good. It's not like, it's like, it's not something that you should do because you feel like you have to do it. It's a bit like breathing. You don't get tired of breathing. Well, if you got tired of breathing and stopped breathing, you'd die, wouldn't you? you know? <laughs> doing good as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, should be something that comes naturally to you, that you should not tire of. It's something that we as a community, as a church, we really, I think that's something that we do well, that we do good in our community. And there's more good for us to do. And as individuals, we can be good to one another. And that shouldn't be a hard thing to do. Take note of those those who refuse to obey what we say in this letter. Stay away from them so they will be ashamed. That's pretty strong. You know, if someone just couldn't be bothered and just trying to, you know, whatever, just stay away from them so they'll be ashamed. Don't think of them as enemies, but warn them as you would a brother or sister. It's not staying away from them in a nasty way. It's hopefully encouraging them to to do something better. So Paul's final greetings. Now may the Lord of peace himself, this is that verse, give you his peace at all times and in every situation. The Lord be with you all. He says, here is my greeting in my own handwriting, Paul. I do this in all my letters to prove they are from me. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. So much encouragement in that letter to do good, to be good, to follow Jesus, to encourage one another, to love one another, to not sit around and do nothing, but to, and not get confused about the fact that, yes, Jesus is coming back, but he's not coming back maybe, I mean, he might come back today, he might come back t- tomorrow. So the final statement, the music, the guy, music guys, you can come up if you're, if you're ready, <laughs> well, even if you're not. The final statement, this is another, um, uh, what do you call it, another quote that I really, really love and I've heard it a few times lately. Live like Jesus is coming back tomorrow and plan like he's not coming back in your lifetime. Get that? So live like Jesus is coming back tomorrow. What would you have to get done? How many people would you have to let know that he's who he is? Um, all those sorts of things. What good could, do you need to do if he's coming back tomorrow? But what do you need to do? Plan so that things are in place as if he's not coming back in your lifetime that you need to set things in motion for the future generations who are coming along. So there's a lot in that short letter um, that Paul wrote with uh, Timothy and Silas to the Thessalonians. So, you know, if you sit there, I think I've read that over, I'm sure I've read it about 50 times over the (laughs) the last few weeks just to try and get out of it what God, but I hope that um, you all got something out of that and I'll just pray. Father God, we thank you... um, that we can learn from these great men of your word. I thank you that you're Holy Spirit and that you are alive and living today as you were then, that you can speak to us. We thank you for your word tonight. We just pray that it's been a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.